This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. So we wrapped up uh, our Eastern and Western Conference previews, and I got a lot of feedback from people, and I knew that I would, so I wanted to do a podcast today so we can get all of your tweets and your comments and your suggestions out there. And then we'll be able to make an announcement when we'll officially start doing it every single day. Um, a lot of people complained that I didn't spend enough time on the Western Conference as I did the Eastern Conference. And let me just explain why. Sometimes it's time constraints. Um, when I get a chance to start it, of course, for people that don't know, that do not live in the New York metropolitan area, I do the Michael K. Show. That begins at 3. So sometimes I don't get start uh, recording until 2, 2.30. And, so, and then that means i got to be done before 3 o'clock. So I had a little bit more time to do the Eastern Conference than I did the Western Conference. So it's not an East Coast bias. And I'm telling you, people, I'm going to be doing this every single day during the course of the season. So if you feel your team is getting short shrift, if you feel like you have a question that's not being answered, if you got an itch that's not being scratched, this is what I'm here for 24-7 during the course of the season. You got a question, you got a comment, you got a criticism. This is the place to go. So I'm here for you. So if you're a Western Conference fan and you feel like I didn't give you enough love, again, nothing but apologies to you. Um, and I know there was a, a couple of people who want to be able to get out here. Uh, Eric said, wish you would have spent some um, same amount of time on West as East. Sharks Blue Line is easily top five in West. It's not that I didn't spend enough time. I just disagree. Burns, I think, is a A-plus defenseman. There's no question. Better probably on the offensive side than the defensive side. Mark Edward Vlasic proved his worth in the World Cup of Hockey for Canada last year. I've all be, always been a Paul Martin fan, but I do think that they're um, a little top-heavy when it comes to the defensive side. We've seen you know, Dylan has played well. Braun has played well. But I just look at their forwards and I look at the age in some areas. Um, you look at where Hurdle is right now. Is he what you thought he was going to be in his rookie season in 2013-2014? He has grown to that. When I specifically talked about the San Jose Sharks, again, I believe they're top-heavy offensively as well. They're going to get a, have to get a lot of production out of uh, Pavelski and Couture. You could disagree if you want. And that's fine. That's what this show is about. You're putting yourself on the line to make predictions, and we'll see. And at the end of the year, we'll find out who was right and who was wrong about all of this stuff. But it's not because I don't care about the Western Conference. If you're new to game misconduct, if you're new to Don LaGreca, I don't go to bed until the last hockey game is over. So I'm watching all of these teams. It's just sometimes time constraints really measure how long the podcast is, not so much how much information there is out there. We'll get to more of your tweets coming up. Wanted to get to some news items first and foremost. Alexander Ovechkin had a very, very long statement on not going to the Olympics. And on the surface, you feel like he's not going, he's finally been convinced not to go. No, the, the IOC has been able to convince these countries not to ask the NHL players to participate. Probably um, what you've seen happen to kind of just pad things a little bit here so there isn't that much of a controversy. And I'm sure the NHL did not want to see these players leave, get a leave of absence, which I think Alexander Ovechkin would have done. I think Ted Leonsis, the owner of the Capitals, would have let him disappear for 16 days and go play and represent Russia and it be at the disadvantage of the Washington Capitals. I think this is the right move as far as the country's not asking the players so that you don't have that awkwardness of an owner feeling an obligation to let a contracted player go and play 
when other owners may not allow the player to go and play. So it's a bad situation, but I think it's good that Alex is going to stay here in North America and play in the NHL. And we talked about this last year, but in case you're new to game misconduct, I'm all for the players not going. And I'm a huge hockey fan, and I'll still watch the hockey in the Olympics. It's what I fell in love with long before the NHL players were allowed to go play in the Olympics. I fell in love with hockey in 1980 when the United States upset Russia, which would not have happened if NHL players were allowed to play. Or at least it wouldn't have meant as much by beating Russia because it was pros in the USSR that was going up against amateurs, students as the Russians called them, and Mike Ruzioni and the boys were able to get the job done. So we lost that specialness. But never mind that. How does it behoove the National Hockey League to have their players disappear for a week and a half when games are going to be played on the East Coast at 1.30 in the morning and after 10 o'clock on the West Coast? These games are in South Korea. The last time we had a situation with that kind of a time difference was Nagano in 1998, ironically enough, the first time NHL players were allowed to play. And though that tremendous, maybe one of the greatest hockey games of all time, that shootout loss Canada suffered at the hands of the Czech Republic when Dominic Hasek stood on his head and was able to stop Eric Lindros and the controversy of Wayne Gretzky not participating in the shootout. It was like 3 o'clock in the morning when that game ended. How is anybody benefiting from games that start that late and end that late? People say to me, oh, I, I, I'm not going to watch. I don't care that the NHLers are, are, are not going to be there. Uh, I don't care about the, the Olympic hockey anymore. Well, would you have watched anyway? Would you have stayed up till 3 o'clock in the morning to watch? And don't tell me about uh, the DVRing it or tape delay. You can't do that nowadays with social media. So what exactly would the NHL get from this? Because then what would end up happening is you would be without hockey for 16 days. There'd be no NHL hockey. The hockey that is being played in the Olympics would be played at 2 o'clock in the morning. So for the average Eastern, Eastern East Coast guy, West Coast guy, when they'd be normally sitting down at 7 o'clock local time to watch a hockey game, there'd be no hockey for two weeks. So I'm all for not going. And then the guys that complain about no NHLers playing, they're also the first to complain if one of their favorite players got hurt in the Olympics and couldn't play when they returned to their NHL team, would be flipping out that they got hurt in an exhibition when they should be playing for their own team in the NHL. So I feel bad for Alexander Ovechkin. He's chasing after that elusive gold medal. He wants to represent his country the same as every American does, the same as every Canadian does, the same as every Czech player wants to. I get it. But I also get the NHL stance of not allowing this. And it just does not benefit the National Hockey League as much as it would when it was in Salt Lake City and when it was in Vancouver or even when it was in Torino. Because the time difference is just too obnoxious. The other conversation is about Matt Duchesne. He made news yesterday at the start of Colorado Avalanche camp by saying he's not going to take any questions and he walked away. He said the only reason that he was there was to support his teammates. I get it. And I got a tweet from somebody and I want to be able to find it because I want to be able to give him credit for it. That why is John Tavares talking and Duchesne doesn't have to talk? as if a knock at Matt Duchesne for taking that tact when there's a similar situation going on with Tavares, and Tavares is asked about it nonstop and talks about it. Well, there's a difference between the two. 
Matt Duchesne was openly shopped the entire offseason. He was rumored in every single trade at the deadline at the end of last year and was being shopped all over the place. Islanders interested. Rangers were interested. Montreal was interested. Constant conversation about the possibility to be traded. Boston, oh, they'll trade Carlo and McAvoy for him. So he's in a contract situation with the Avalanche, and they openly tried to trade him. And they're going to continue to try to trade him. So it's a completely different stance than Tavares, where the Islanders haven't tried to trade Tavares. They've been able to have negotiations, so it's a little bit more civil. So it's a little bit different between JT and Duchesne. And I can't kill Duchesne for it. I don't think it's any animosity towards the media or the organization. It's just, what do you want me to say? I'm here only because they couldn't trade me. I'm probably not going to get a deal done with this team. I'm probably only going to be here for the next five minutes. What do you want me to say? So I think he took the right tact. He didn't have the PR director for the Avalanche tell it. He didn't issue some sort of a statement. He stood there. He said, I'm not going to take any of your questions, and he walked away. Now, do I know Matt Duchesne personally? No, but I think he handled it very well, and it's not the same situation as John Tavares. All right, let's get to uh, some more of your tweets. Chris Smith gave his predictions for the Western Conference. He's got the West, Dallas, Edmonton, and Chicago, uh, Anaheim, Minnesota, St. Louis, Nashville, San Jose. In the East, he's got Columbus, Pittsburgh, Ottawa, New York. I'm assuming that's the Rangers. Uh, Tampa Bay, Toronto, Montreal, and Washington. A lot of people are still shook up about Montreal not making it uh, to me, but uh, those are pretty solid picks. Uh, Brett Lustig says uh, his predictions in the East, Pittsburgh, Tampa, the Rangers, Washington, Toronto, Montreal, and Columbus. In the West, he's got Nashville, so do I. Chicago, Anaheim, so we're pretty much even there. He's got Edmonton, Minnesota, and Dallas with San Jose and Calgary. Um making it as the wild cards. Will Colorado be competitive this year? They'll be competitive, but uh, with Duchesne possibly getting dealt, what they get back in return, I'd be very interested uh, to see how competitive they'll actually be. Uh, Kelly Riley got on me a little bit earlier today saying that I didn't spend enough time in the Western Conference and that the Minnesota Wild have more than one player, Zach Parisi, but the Minnesota Wild are still a team. I mentioned that Dubnik, uh, he was not good at the end of last year. Will he be good this year? Uh, Koivu getting a little bit long in the tooth. He also wanted to ask about, um, based on their performance last year, uh, will Shattenkirk, uh, no, excuse me, I'm reading the wrong one. Uh, thoughts on teams coming just under the salary cap, uh, like my Wild, and which rookies are you excited to see? Well, clearly the first two picks of the draft are kids I'm looking forward to see because I think um, uh, Heischer and Nolan Patrick will both make their respective teams in New Jersey and Philadelphia. I'm also looking to see how some of the younger kids in Toronto grow. You know that Marner... And Nylander and Matthews are studs, but uh, also Zaitsev, I think another year of him being young. I know those are Eastern Conference players, so I apologize. But he also asks about the salary cap situation. There are teams like the Minnesota Wild who are who at least going into today or yesterday were a $5 million plus under the cap. Teams want to leave a little wiggle room because they've got restrictions, the, the, the restricted free agents they have to deal with, plus they want to be able to make improvements uh, as they go into the season. So it's always good to leave a little under the cap. And also uh, the Minnesota Wild uh, were able to get um, a, done, a, a, a um, deal done with Felino. Marcus Felino, formerly of the Buffalo Sabres, has just signed a contract with them. So 
uh, Kelly, to answer your question, the five-plus million dollars that I looked up that they're under the cap was before the Felino contract. So I'm interested to see exactly now what their cap space is like. But that was a good signing for him. I always liked him in Buffalo. I think that's going to be a nice addition uh, to the Minnesota Wild. Um, Andrew May says, thoughts of possibility of Yager back on Broadway. I don't see him playing for the New York Rangers. Their needs are more at center than at winger. Uh, they want to get more speed. If you listen to Elaine Vigneault yesterday, he says he wants to make a fast team even faster. Yarmir Yager is not going to help you there. Yager, I think, can help a team. I thought the Golden Knights would be the perfect place for him to go. He loves Vegas. It's an expansion team. Give them a name player uh, to play. I'd hate to see him go to the KHL. I want him to spend his 46th birthday in the National Hockey League. There's actually a lot of conversation that the Wild may be interested uh, in him. Maybe Montreal might want to take a chance at him. They're hurting a little bit offensively as well. Obviously, camps have opened without Yarmir Yager having a contract, clearly. And I think the season's going to start without Yager. But I do think Yager will find a place in the NHL at some point. There'll be an injury. There'll be a, a need for his, uh, help on the power play, help at the winger position. I do think Yarmir Yager is going to play regardless, whether it's going to be in the KHL or the NHL, but I think it's going to be uh, in the NHL. Uh, Ryan says, welcome back, Donnie Pucks. Why is that Duchesne can take no questions? That's the tweet I was looking for. And Tavares has to about the contract constantly. And as I said, Tavares isn't being openly shopped. Duchesne is. I think that is the major difference there. And I do think at some point, do not be surprised if Tavares decides to shut it down as well as far as contract talk is concerned. Hey, we'll deal with it when we deal with it. And a lot of it's out of his hands as well. Colorado doesn't want Duchesne, doesn't fit, don't want to pay him, can't pay him, whatever the situation is in Colorado. That's why they've openly shopped him. Islanders want Tavares to be here. Tavares is probably hedging because he wants to find out what's happening with a new building. So none of that's going to get answered in the, in the short future of uh, the uh, Islanders' situation. So there's no need for really him to talk uh, too much about it at this point. But, and, and plus, he's a really good guy uh, that wants to answer everybody's questions. But I would think he'd probably be advised a little differently there in the future. Uh, Donnie Max says, agree with your take on the Jets, but I'm hoping that their young guys step up a level and they make the playoffs. Well, this is a team that's only made the playoffs once since moving to Winnipeg, and they got swept by Anaheim, if you remember. Um, they've been disappointing. Uh, they do have young players. The Truba thing last year certainly derailed them for a bit, and their goaltending. Uh, I think Line A is the second-best young player in this league. Um, when you look at the rookies from last year, obviously McDavid put him aside because this is technically his third year uh, coming in here. He was uh, he had the injury in his rookie year. But if you looked at Matthews and Line A, Line A's right there. Now, he's a winger. Matthews is a center. I get that. But Line A is special. Shifley is special. I like Winnipeg. It's one of my favorite arenas to go to. It's one of my favorite buildings and one of my favorite cities in the NHL. I'm, I'm very excited. I'm scheduled to go there this year as well in Winnipeg. So I'm very, very excited uh, to get a chance to see the Winnipeg Jets this year. I just do not think they're a playoff team. Uh, Mark says, love game misconduct. How long will it take for the Knights to be a serious contender for a playoff berth in the West? Well, I love their coach. I love their general manager. I think they will turn the corner fairly quickly. They've got the goaltender in place. They've got some good young players. They did a great job making sure during the whole process of the expansion draft that they got themselves a lot of picks. Uh, McPhee, 
did a great job in Washington. He's done a great job as a player and as an executive in other places as well. And I just think that that's a team that in two or three years is going to be very, very competitive. They've made the expansion draft to allow those teams to be more competitive to begin with. But the brain trust there, I think, is very, very good. So if you are a Vegas fan, I think that the future is very, very bright with uh, with that organization. I don't think there's any question about that. Uh, Chris Smith says, I know the Pacific Division is going to be stacked with Anaheim, Edmonton, and Calgary getting the top three spots. So let's see if that's going to be the case. I agree, and I cannot wait. And I mentioned this yesterday when I was doing the Western Conference preview for Edmonton and, and Calgary to finish second and third because to get the Battle of Alberta again with, with those two teams – that could be cup contenders. I think Edmonton's a lot closer than Calgary is. Don't get me wrong. But to get a Calgary-Edmonton Battle of Alberta again, sizzling. It's been 20 years. It's been even longer when you consider one of those teams having a chance to win a Stanley Cup. I mean, if you're a hockey fan, how great would a series like that be? And I'm loving Edmonton, and I'm loving Toronto, and there seems to be a groundswell that those two teams are destined to meet each other in the Stanley Cup final. Very rarely do you get what you wish for. I don't think it's going to happen this year. I do think Edmonton and Toronto can make runs. I don't think there's any problem saying that if we get to the Final Four of the Conference Finals, that Edmonton and Toronto will both be there representing their respective conferences. Whether you tell me that they're ready to win a Stanley Cup, can't say that yet. And what's interesting in Toronto is there's a lot of speculation that this may be Lou Lamorello's last year. So we'll see uh, how much he puts into trying to win it this year. But knowing Lou, he wants to make sure that he leaves the situation better than when he took it over. So I don't think he feels the need to necessarily be there when they finally do turn the corner and win the Stanley Cup. But let's face it, if Toronto wins the Stanley Cup a year from now, two years from now, Lou Lamorello is going to get a lot of credit for that championship because of the things that he has done uh, over the last couple of years to get this team back to competitiveness again. It's been a long time, and to have Toronto, one of the elite teams in the National Hockey League, is good for this sport. Guy says, how do you see the additions of Lindy Ruff to the Rangers coaching staff? I'm hoping that the D team has a little more bite. Lindy Ruff is one of the best coaches in the National Hockey League. He won uh, and did a good job in Buffalo, didn't win a championship, but certainly got them darn close. Did a very good job in Dallas, I thought, as well. He had been in Buffalo forever, just couldn't get over the top. But him being on that bench with A.V., and from what I understand, A.V. suggested Lindy join the team. He's a former Ranger. is going to make that coaching staff even better. You know, with Scott Arneal and the like, that is a very well-coached team. I don't know how much more bite the defense will have. It kind of is what it is. Um, Shattenkirk is the newest addition there, along with D'Angelo. I don't think you're going to get a lot of bite out of them, but they're certainly going to score a lot more, and I think they're going to do a much better job. Best of luck to Girardi in Tampa, but this defense is new and improved with Shattenkirk joining the fray, bringing Smith back. They did a lot of nice things to keep that blue line intact and make it even better, and Lindy is certainly going to be contributing to that aspect as well. And the idea that Ruff, because he is such a great head coach, is going to be looking over the shoulder of Elaine Vigneault, it was said to me in a game misconduct last year, 
as long as Lindy Ruff is available, he's looking over A.V.'s shoulder. So why not, might as well have him on the staff so he can actually help the team. But if Lindy Ruff is available as an assistant someplace or just working at TSN as an analyst, if A.V. lost the team for some reason or the Rangers got off to an awful start, Lindy Ruff would be the number one candidate to take over. So what's the difference that he's on the bench? The difference is, is by being already on the team, he can make the team that much better so they don't fall apart. And A.V. apparently is very comfortable with it. Believe me, A.V. is not a guy that's going to let that bother him at all. And I think the Rangers will have a really good chance to have a very good season. Can they win a Stanley Cup? Hard to say. A lot of things have to break the right way. Certainly you're concerned about their number one center situation. But defensively, goaltending, coaching, I think they're in prime position to make a run this year. We're just going to have to wait and see. I got them in the playoffs. We'll see if they can make a run once we get there. Okay, when can we have NHL Live every single day? Well, I can tell you that we're going to start this thing every single day once the season officially gets started, which will be coming up on October 4th when the official start of the season begins with the four games. So we will give you a little bit more of an in-depth preview on that Monday. So something may happen between now and the start of the season. So pay attention, make sure you subscribe to Game Misconduct so you can get alerts when there's a new one. And if anything happens between now and the start of the season, catastrophic injury, trade, something of that like, we are going to make sure that we're going to update it for you and have you on. So stay tuned. Otherwise, we're going to be back every single day beginning Monday, October 2nd. So season doesn't start until that Wednesday, but in-depth previews on that Monday and Tuesday leading into the games. We're going to try to get a weekly with EJ Raddick again. We're going to try to get the announcers, play-by-play guys, color commentaries from all the teams. And, again, the show is about you. So if you're a fan out there that's just not getting service by their local radio station or the local newspaper and you feel like you're just on an island by yourself, there's nobody out there to talk hockey with, this is the destination for you, okay? So if you're out there in Columbus, you're out there in Nashville, hey, you're in New York or Los Angeles where they're talking basketball and football and baseball and they're not giving you any hockey love, this is the place to go. And if you feel like I'm not giving you any love, tweet at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct. Any question, any team, any topic, it's right there for you. Participate. I could even, if during the time that we've got a little bit of a hiatus here before we really kick it into gear on October 2nd, you can tweet me and I'll just comment uh, outside of the cast and, and you can um, go back and forth with me on Twitter. So you can follow us on Apple iTunes. You can follow us certainly on the ESPN app. So we'll have that up for you. I retweet it on my timeline. TMKS ESPN retweets it on their timeline. So climb aboard. Hashtag game misconduct, and I will certainly get back to you. So barring any kind of surprise, trade, major information, the next time I will talk to you will be Monday, October 2nd, when we'll sink our teeth into the 2017-2018 season and year two of game misconduct. So we will talk to you soon. Make sure you subscribe, get your alerts. Otherwise we will see you on October 2nd. And we will start it for real every single day right here on game misconduct. Thanks for listening to the game misconduct podcast. Looking for more Don LaGreca. Hear him on the Michael K show weekdays from three to 7 PM on 98.7 ESPN in New York and worldwide on the ESPN app. And don't forget to subscribe to the Game Misconduct podcast on the ESPN app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.